bring me to my knees in praise and take me into your holy of holies. It's the most one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. And it breaks me up every time I hear it. And you know, it makes me what will it be like to enter into the holy of holies? You know, in the ancient times, only the, the high priest once a year could enter into the Holy of Holies. But you know what? We're all going to be able to enter into the Holy of Holies. So, if you get a chance to look those words up, those lyrics again, think of what it's going to be like. I mean, we really don't, we know it's going to be wonderful, but I can't begin to imagine how wonderful it's going to be when we enter into the Holy of Holies. Because the Holy of Holies is where the presence of God is. And it's in His throne room that we're going to see Him. So, these next two weeks, we're going to be inching closer and closer <laughs> to the Holy of Holies. As we get to Rosh Hashanah tonight, and then Yom Kippur next week, and then as we enter Tabernacle, Sukkot, we're moving toward the Holy of Holies. Be in a spirit of anticipation and expectation because this is a, you know, and there's going to be a lot of shouting and a lot of jumping up and down and swinging from the chandeliers during that week. But remember, ultimately, we're moving toward the Holy of Holies. We're moving into His presence. And if we do it right, and if God does it right in our hearts and spirit, we'll be in the Holy of Holies well after Tabernacles ends. And it'll be perpetual for us. So just think about those words. Enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of the Lamb. That's the only way we can get in, by the blood of the Lamb. Can't get in by being good. Can't get in by doing favors. Can't get in by paying your taxes. Can't be good by you know mowing your neighbor's lawn. You know, There's only one way you can get in, by the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Love that. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Feels like we're in the midst of the feast already, doesn't it? You know the scripture that says uh, he looks all over the earth for a place to show himself strong? The scripture says that he looks to and fro. looks to the east and the west and the north and the south. He looks all over the place for a place to show himself strong. These are not the days to be beside the pool of Bethesda hoping for another day. These are not the days to be hoping that somebody will come along somewhere and change our circumstances. These are not the days to be thinking that, well, when the anointing comes, maybe somebody will help me along. These are the days where he's looking to and fro throughout the whole earth to a place to show himself strong. These are the days of Elijah. These are the days of Ezekiel. These are the days where these dry bones, these places that have been arid, come to life. These are the days where the giftings and the anointings of heaven come to be your experience. So how does that happen just in reality, just in practical ways? We can talk ethereal and we love the scriptures and we can see them being played out in our midst. But at the end of the day, how does all of that happen? It happens when there's agreement between heaven and earth. It happens when the proclamation and the declaration out of your temple, your voice, is in agreement with what he's releasing. It comes when 
in the midst of your prayer and fasting, like we're just entering into right now, it's not the dooms and the gloom, and oh, I'm putting on sackcloth and ashes, and I'm anointing, and I'm doing it and all. It's not that. It's not that. It's God, I'm, prayer, I'm in prayer and fasting. I'm getting rid of the distractions. I'm getting rid of the television. I'm getting rid of whatever captures my thoughts so I can participate with what is being released from heaven right now. It's the confession out of your mouth that is in the place that aligns up with God where the miracles happen. It's not that person by the pool just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It's not that. It's the militant attitude that says, God, I believe your word, and I'm releasing it from my mouth in agreement with heaven. And that's the place where God shows himself strong. That's the place where he reveals his son. That's the place where the covenant's renewed. That's the place where all things are possible, and we're in the middle of it. And we're in the, and in the middle of the weak hands being made strong and the feeble knees being made strong. So if you're coming here this morning and your energy levels aren't quite what they should be, not a problem. Not a problem with God. All you have to do is agree with heaven. The word that is being released in these days, that's where all things are possible. Amen? Hallelujah. We'll release the children's uh, ministry now. The kids, if you'd like to be a part of uh, children's church. I don't see too many, but maybe there's a few. There's a few. There's enough. There's, a few. there's Jackie. There's <laughs> the Lord. We'll call you back in a few minutes. There's the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do you get to be with us the whole morning, Ray? Do you have to leave early? Well, uh, listen. We're gonna, I'm going to make sure that we get some time for his announcement and him to share. Brother Ray and Caitlin, we're so blessed to have him with us this morning because uh, they just had some excitement in their lives. But I want to flow on to this uh, prophetic anointing here. He just, uh, he just, I know he was looking at my notes, I guess, in the Elder Deacon meeting today. Okay. Wow. I love what he said, don't you? It's, it's motivating. You know, sometimes, um, you know, how many of you know that there's responsibility to, when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus? Come on. How is it we don't always get that? We just think we can float around and... I'm Jesus, I love Jesus. But there's responsibility, and right now I'm feeling that in the Spirit coming to all of us. There's a responsibility. He's putting a responsibility on you. It's, it's personal. Guys, it's up close and personal. It's up close and personal. He wants face-to-face with you. And, you know, sometimes we make these commitments you know, how many of us make commitments? I, I make commitments. I, I make a bunch of commitments. But sometimes we don't follow through. And we shirk that responsibility of our commitment. Right? Yeah. I, we're just being real here. Just being real with the Holy Spirit. We do it. And um, 
I shared a little bit in the in the elder deacon meeting this morning that um what did I share? The Lord's coming in here with something in my other ear. No, I know what I shared. But I, I want to go back he wants me to go back to this responsibility thing. Okay, so I'm going to. So that's part of it. And I want you to find out, well, what are you responsible for? Right now, you're responsible to him. He's the one that's pulling on your heartstrings. When we were playing that song, I literally saw him coming. And I saw him looking for a temple he can fill. You see, when Solomon built the temple in his day, it's a beautiful story. You've got to read about that in uh, Second Kings. Wow. He finally built the temple that his daddy wanted to build. And it was glorious. But it's done gone. It doesn't even exist anymore. And Jesus is coming. And in that day, he came in and he filled it with smoke and glory. And oh, imagine what that was like. It was, it was when the glory fell from heaven. And he filled the temple with himself. But he's coming in these days. He's looking for the temple. And that's you. The temple made without man's hands. It's the one he created. It's awesome. He's been uh, teaching me a lot of things about seed, uh, fertilization of seed, gestation of seed, and birthing. I'm not going to talk on that today, but some deep, heavy revenue. It's so far out there. I've run it forwards and backwards and backwards and forwards, and it's like when I lay it on a few people, they're like, whoa. You know, I I prepare. I'm like, this is heavy. But, but, you know, this goes to the word. And they're like, whoa, whoa, that is some heavy stuff. Like, I've got to have some time to think about that. But it's in the word. And God is looking for us right now to take up our responsibility and get in his presence. And what are we supposed to be doing? We talked about last week, praying. And what is prayer? Just talking to God. So when you see that in your Bible, as you're reading it, as I'm sure you are, when it says pray, it means when you talk to God, just substitute that so you can personalize it. When you talk to God, okay? So this morning... I want to tell you a little story. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to be talking about that today. Um, the secret place or the room or where you go to talk to God. What do you do? Is it a literal room that you have? Is it somewhere, is it a room you have in, in, in here, inside of you? Where is it? And if you don't know where it is, how can you find it? How can you find it to participate? I told the elders, he's going to let me tell you now. I told him, listen, this isn't sacrilegious what I'm going to say, but sometimes it takes more than faith. Now, I'm a firm believer that you can't do anything without faith. In fact, it says without faith, you can't even please God. That's what the word says, right? My Bible students know that. But sometimes faith alone isn't enough. And you're saying, well, what is it I need? And I just want to give you this one example. When 
the disciples were trying to cast out those demons out of those people. They've cast out demons before. They've been with Jesus. They've all been working. He sent off, you know, go over and deal with these people. I'm over here. They were trying to cast out those demons, and those demons wouldn't go. And when they finally asked Jesus about it, what did he say was the extra ingredient? They had faith. It wasn't that they didn't have enough faith. He didn't tell them that you didn't. And he was, believe me, he wasn't shy in saying, you have little faith, right? I mean, he told them that all the time. Where is your faith? You have little faith. What are you worried about? He didn't say that at all. He knew they had faith, but they needed fasting and prayer. They needed fasting and talking to God in a real conversation, in a two-way conversation. And we, some of us have got some things that God has commanded us to do, and we're having trouble with it. It might be your marriage. It might be work. I don't know what it is, but I know the Spirit told me that some of you have some things going on that you're not getting the breakthrough, and you're sitting there going, why is this happening? Or why isn't this happening? And I want to tell you, it's because we're in a season that he's calling us to fasting and prayer. And when you get down to the business of being responsible to do it, you're going to see breakthrough. Because I know you have faith. I know you're not in here without faith. You've got faith. And if you're a new Christian, you've still got it because the day he knocks on the door of your heart, he gives you, the Bible tells me, he gives you a measure of faith. But he wants to equip you with breakthrough power. In certain circumstances, there's no other way to get through. And I do not know why time and time again we think we can bypass it. We might be out to buy a car. We might be going out to buy a house. I don't know. I know some of you are looking for housing. And and this is, I I don't know if you're fasting in prayer. You probably are. But I'm just saying, sometimes we do these things. I do things. And I don't think anything of it. I ask, I inquire of God about information about my plans. How to do the plan. But sometimes, why is it I forget to fast and pray about whether I should even be doing the plan? Do you see? And he'll give you information, but man, you'll get out in there and that hole will spring a leak in your boat. You know, you think you're supposed to go on that cruise, and that cruise ship springs a leak, and you're in trouble. Or the seas comes up and the 50-foot waves come up, and you're in trouble, and you you go, okay, let me process this again. What did I, where, oh my gosh, i got to get back in position. You see, all, just about everybody in this room is way too old in the Lord to be winging it. And this is what I call winging it. Well, I'm just going to, I don't know, you know, uh, you know uh, somebody asked me, Lonnie asked me if, if the Spirit led me to do something. Well, I don't know. I'm just going to buy it. And if the, I, no, 
Does that work? I don't know, but you know, if it doesn't work, then it must be the Lord's will that I bought a clock that doesn't work. I mean, do you see? I mean, how do we get into stuff like that? I believe me, this wasn't rehearsed. You can tell. All right, but do you see what I'm saying? Were we led? No. And I have people tell me that all the time. I go, were you led to do this? Uh, is this what the Lord's leading you to do? Well, I don't know. I'm just going to wait. If it doesn't work, then I know it wasn't his will. You guys are way too old for that kind of stuff. You're not baby Christians anymore. That would be if you just got bad. You just asked Jesus to come in your heart this morning, and I haven't had time to hold you under for ten minutes in the, in the pool. Baptize you. Get some good faith in there. Do you see what I'm saying? You can't live like that. The message that's been on my heart, he's been speaking to me all week, and it's not this message. It's walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Those who walk and are led by the Spirit are what? Come on. If you don't know that scripture, you're not reading your Bible. It says those who walk and are led by the Spirit, are the sons of God. That's their identity. It's not, it, that's not for, I just go to church on Sunday. It's for those who are led by the Spirit of God. I'll tell you a quick story. This is not here, so I don't know where we're going with this pastor. But uh, Lonnie and I had an occasion just recently. Uh, it was our day off Monday. We went to our camp to check out camp, see if anything had sprung a leak while we were gone. Everything was fine. We were headed out early that morning. We had plenty of work to get home to do. On the way, I, I told the elders and deacons since I've been back, this is a season, I'm telling you guys, Jesus is this close. He's this close. I mean, he's, he's touching. He's not far away right now. He is so close. You don't have to reach very far. And I told him what I saw in the Spirit is I saw the tree of life in our midst. And because this is harvest time, the branches on this tree are loaded with fruit. Loaded. It's like when you go into the, you know, I know you all can't wait to go get you the first bit of cider and pick out your pumpkins, and get your apples, and make your apple pies. And we all love doing that in the fall. I love it. I'm right there with you. But sometimes if you don't get to the orchard in time, you're trying to find a ladder because the only good apple is at the top of the tree. And there have been times I'd say, Lonnie, could you just climb up there and get me that one because that's the one. We like to go to the orchard. We like to pick out a sunny day, him and me, or with my grandkids, whatever. But when we go by ourselves, we really like it. And, and we go up there and we find a nice sunny spot and we pick out our free apple because it's all you can eat. You only pay for the stuff you take down later, okay? And so we, they don't care if you taste and sample the product. So I find my one apple, we get it, and then we just lay down like a couple of kids on the grass. We just roll around there and look at the sun and we let the sun come on us. We don't care if we get a little sunburn. But sometimes we get there late. Sometimes, you know, there isn't much there. Right now, the tree of life is laden with fruit of the Spirit for you. It is so loaded that it's almost like somebody's got to prop up these branches 
you don't have to climb. You just go in. It's like the first pickings, and you go in and you pick the choice fruit. And believe me, what I've seen in the Spirit, there's plenty for everybody. But I laid out their responsibility. Go get it. I can't pick it for you. I can't pick it for you. And you'll find this tree of life right in the secret place. Go get it. Don't miss out. And what are you supposed to do? It's not like manna. You're not supposed to hoard. It's like manna. You're not supposed to hoard it. You don't get a big bushel basket and go stick it in your cellar and have it rot. You're supposed to partake of it. You're supposed to eat it. You're supposed to eat of it and taste and see that the Lord is good. It's the tree of life. It's Jesus. And then when you partake of it, it's, it's all you want. I'm telling you, there's no calories in this buffet. You can eat as much as you want, kids. You eat all that fruit you want. You digest it. You take some. You give it away. If you see somebody without fruit, oh, Norm, oh, I got this fruit. Here, take some of this. Do you see what I'm saying? You give it away. If they go, what is that? You tell them what it is because you've tasted it. You know what it is. You explain how to prepare it. You tell them how to eat it and take it and what to do with it. If not, have them over for dinner and serve it. Do you see? It's the end gathering. There's an anointing on it. There's a prophetic anointing right now in our midst. Any of you could prophesy if you just dared to take one little step of faith. It might be three words. It doesn't matter what it is. But if you take and dare to take one step, the Lord would anoint that like a mega bomb going off in the realm of the Spirit. If you get one, if you don't, just open your mouth and squeak. He'll anoint it right now. There is such an anointing. He is hovering over this region. He's just here. He's hanging out. He is anticipating this feast and our time of actually setting aside time for him. Come on. Getting off your agenda and setting aside time for him. He is so excited about it. He is anticipating it like a child anticipates a birthday when they're old enough to figure that out. Do you you see? Today starts that first feast day, which is trumpets. And we don't just go blowing trumpets around here or sing about trumpets for nothing. The Word of God says when the trumpet sounds that the earth is going to shake. And there's going to be a trembling. And the dead are going to come out of what? The graves. Did you know there's a generation that will not have to die to go to heaven to see the Lord? Did you know that? If he came tonight or tomorrow, that means you would be part of that generation. I believe this is the generation that will not have to go to heaven by way of the grave because there will be people that remain. But but for those who die before he comes, it's okay because the trumpet's going to sound and the earth is going to shake. It's the Feast of Trumpets. This, this feast is a prophetic 
symbolism of that day when Jesus Christ comes back and the dead are released from the graves. Imagine that day. Ten days they're going to be walking the earth before the Feast of Atonement. You see, the earth will have ten days to mourn after they see all these dead people walking around. They're going to have their attention. You won't be walking, watching Fox News. They'll be on there. They'll be repenting too, like the rest of the world. What is going on? Amazing. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Coming out of their graves, walking. Some, that, this isn't the first time it will have happened. It actually happened when Jesus rose from the grave. Did you know that? He rose from the grave, and the, it says, and some of the people received their dead. So that was just a trial run. That was just to get that generation excited for the work they had to do. But you see, we've, we're, our generation has a work to do. Young people, you have a work to do. This isn't your mom and dad's work. You have a responsibility. You're not too young to be responsible. God knows when he's going to hold you accountable. So that's what's going on right now. I'm talking about miraculous. Let's, let's partake of some of that miraculous. The name of this feast or what the Lord led us to designate it to or dedicate it to is unleashing the miraculous. So I would advise to go get a bunch of that stuff, and it's free. There is a price for it. Your time. Your time. That's precious, isn't it? My time is precious. I think it's one of the most precious and golden commodities I have in my life is my time. Not just because I'm getting ancient of days looking. Old as the hills and twice as dusty. But time is important, right? It's critical. What's the one thing you don't have enough of? And I don't know about you guys, but does it just seem like it just is going faster and faster and faster and faster and faster? It's just, it's like time right now is accelerated. Yeah, time flies. It's amazing. Well, I want to I want to tell you about the secret place real quick, and I want to leave time for Ray to share with us because I preached a different word. But you'll get a kick out of the story I had to tell you. There was this couple, man and wife, a couple of kids, and they had some financial crises and financial issues going on in their life. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah, we can relate to that. We've all had our moments. We know what it's like to be in a financial crisis. And some of you may have heard this story before, but this is a true story. And they had decided about what I'm telling you. They'd been praying, but they hadn't been fasting and praying. And so this night they set aside some time they didn't eat with the kids. They fed the kids, put the kids to bed. They decided, okay, we're going to, you know, no TV tonight. 
no whatever else they're doing, no, no uh, technology time, computer time, whatever else you do. I don't know what you guys do. No video games. And they got their Bibles out. And they went in, they headed for their living room, and they were about to sit down, and they heard an audible voice, audible. And it said, if you need help, dial 911. And they got spooked. And they were like, where? Did you hear that? Yes, yes. And they were sitting there looking at each other and kind of spooked, and they heard it again. If you need help, dial 911. And then they kind of had their wits about them, and they thought that it sounded like it might be coming from their garage. And they're like, who the heck? What is going on? So they, they went over. The garage was kind of an attached garage to their house. This is a, a West Coast house where the garages, are most of them are attached. And they went over, and the husband goes up to the door, and he opens the door, and she's peeking. And just as they do, they hear it go off again. If you need help, dial 911. And what it was was one of their son's toy fire trucks or a, or a police car or something with one of the little recorded messages. And it was just maybe the battery was going. I know we had a, we had a fire extinguisher that was just beeping here today because the batteries are going down. The smoke, uh, smoke detector, thank you. And they had to fix that before church. And they were like, whoa, that's weird. And the husband said, no. He says, I think God's telling us he, he wants us to read. He interpreted it as Psalm 91, 1. And I want to read that to you today. I'm going to read it from the best translation the purest translation. It may differ with what you're looking at, but here we go. The most literal. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. To abide means dwell there, live there, stay there, sit there, be there. Abide in it. Don't pass it by. Don't step one foot in and step one foot out. Where is the secret place? And when you get there and when you're abiding in it, it says you will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. What happens when the shadow of the Almighty is hanging out over you? Well, I'll give you a real big example. The Holy Spirit. When Mary was just at home hanging out and the Holy Spirit came and hovered over her and the shadow of God covered her and the Immaculate Consummation happened, the impossible 
What that means is when you are in the secret place in this, in, with God and he's overshadowing you, miracles happen. The impossible happens. I know this personally. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be here. With those over 40 blood clots last summer, are you kidding me? They told us to get ready. There was no guarantee. They said it would take me two and a half years to recover from that and just kind of sort of get back to normal. Julie looked it up on the Internet. You, any of you can look it up about the recovery time. And that's just if you have a couple of pulmonary embolisms. Not more than 40. I know what it's like to be in the secret place under the wings of the shadow of Almighty God and the miracle take place to save my life. None of you could have fixed you you couldn't fix me. You prayed for me. And we pray. But only his power. Only he can do the impossible. And he chooses to do it through you. He wants to do it through you. Prayer, not faith alone. We've got to add this equation because we're coming into areas that God will call you this year. I know he's going to call us to the impossible. Some of you are going to be called to the impossible. Some of you have had vaccinations in the past few years of impossibles. I'm talking little ones. He's going to call us to the impossible. And that's why it's so important to him. And that's why I won't quit saying what he's saying. It's not just by faith of loan. You've got to have this prayer, which is talking to God and fasting, in the secret place that you go. And you can find this. It'll be different for each one of us. It'll be different. And when you get there, you, would you discover it? How many of you have a secret place that you've discovered? I mean, if you do, you know, just let the people that don't know that there's a lot of you, and it's not just for leaders. I wasn't a leader when I found the secret place. I wasn't a leader. I was a desperate human being. Desperate. Broken. Not perfect. Needy. Sinful. There's no prerequisites for it except you have to make a decision to say, help me, God. Fine, I'm talking to you. I didn't even know what, I didn't know that it, there was a name for it. Later, I understood, oh, this is the secret place. Amen? Are you tracking with me? This is where you and God alone share in oneness. This is where you and God become one. You and God become one in the secret place. That's where.
We can do it here. We can touch on it in worship. Sometimes I hear a word and I'm feeling, oh, I'm feeling oneness. But the measure of it that I'm talking about, you can only find in the secret place because you're not distracted. Your senses aren't distracted by other people, other things, other issues. You are so lost in it, you don't even know where you are. You don't know if you're on earth or you're in heaven or you're dead or alive when he finally swallows you up in it. That took a while for me to get there. But I had to start somewhere. And it was fasting. Now, I didn't go, oh, I'm going to fast. No, I was in such crisis and such hell in my life that I couldn't eat. Come on. Sometimes God allows us to go into a crisis because we wouldn't, you know, I'm one of you people that likes food. And, you know, I wouldn't have fasted. Or I wouldn't have done it. But I had nothing because I couldn't eat, didn't want anything to eat. It was a supernatural fasting. It wasn't just because of the circumstances. But I'd been praying, but then I got to that part. I had faith, but it was then that the breakthrough came. Sometimes it comes immediately. Sometimes he puts you to the test. How long are you going to stay with me? Jesus asked him just before he went to the cross, could you just come and pray with me for one hour? Could you, you, and you, you, uh, you two, uh, would you come with me? I'm in crisis. Would you just come and pray with me for an hour? And remember, he went back. And because of crisis and the heaviness of the hour and the season he was living and going through, he couldn't bear it. And they couldn't bear it. And they just, they just were knocked out because of the spiritual darkness they were fighting that night before Jesus was crucified for us. He was called to the impossible. He was called to the impossible. You see, he was 100% man at that time and 100% man of faith. And the man knew how to pray and he knew how to fast. And because he went into that garden and he asked people to help him, he got under the shadow. He went into the secret place. He talked to God. He said, if this cup can pass me, Father, just let it pass me. If we can do this any other way. But then he said, no, well, not my will, but your will be done. I'll do it. But, and he reached into the secret place, and there the miracle happened in the garden. There was blood. God made covenant right there. He said he sweat blood. There's no covenant made without blood being shed. He shed blood. Oh, we've got all our ideas on why. But the Bible, the fact is, the Bible talks blood. And a covenant was cut between him and God, and he said, I make the covenant with you. I will drink the cup, Daddy. I will do it for you. If this is the way it's got to go. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed him, and it tells us that he even sent, Father overshadowed him, and he sent angels to strengthen him. We've got to know where the secret place is. 
we got to find it. I bet you've touched on it. Some of you are like, I don't know, I don't know. When we dwell in the secret place of God, we position ourselves, we get in a position to discover kingdom fruitfulness in all areas of our life. And that's what I was talking about. This is just about the first three little paragraphs of my notes. I'm going to end it here, sort of. That's that tree of life that I told you about. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks twice. I'm just going to read these scriptures to you twice. When he tells us something twice in the word, and you're going, I don't know about the secret place. Jesus said, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So I want to tell you that when you find the secret place, he's there already. Jesus say, my Father who is in the secret place, that's where he is. Then later, in, in that was in verse 6 in chapter 6 of Matthew, he goes in Matthew 6, 18, and he says again, just a few verses later, and he says, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He tells them twice where to go. He says, go into your room and shut the door. How many times has your, has your mother... I just had uh, four of my grandsons over this weekend. And we were going in and out, and it's starting to get cold. What am I going to tell them about the door? Shut the door. Oh, let's shut the door. Oh, shut that door. Oh, you guys, open that door to the house. Could somebody go down there and shut that door? Jesus just told us to go in that room, in that place, wherever it is. I used to have a place out here. Then there was a tree that I would go under. It was an apple tree. It's probably growing about where the lampfires are sitting there, where this chapel is now, before this building was here. I would go out and sit in that tree. It was a deformed tree, broken limbs and everything else, all snarly. But one of the limbs had grown like this and then up, and it made a perfect little bench for, man, I just sit on it. I loved it in the spring when the apple blossoms were on it. And I just waited. I always watched. I didn't want to miss it. Because when those... How many of you love it when those apple blossom flower leaves start to trickle off the trees? I don't know. It is like... It's Narnia time for Kathy at that season here. We don't have that in California where I grew up. It's like, oh my gosh, and they smell. Oh, so I would go out to my tree when my kids were young. And I'd sit in that tree. They couldn't even see me. It's covered with black. It was hidden. It was my secret place. You see, the secret place is where three's a crowd. It's only you and God. Shut the door. It means shut the door on whatever is distracting you. And I love what Sean Wilder said today. You go, but I don't have time. We just talked about that. But I want to tell you how much... I, 
I got to tell you what these equations are. If they're on the sheet, I don't even know if they are. Yeah, I think so. If you read a magazine or news for 30 minutes a day, if you watch the news for 30 minutes, if you watch your 30-minute favorite TV program, if you watch a movie for two hours, did you know that if you just spend one hour, one hour a week, that's 52 hours? Did you know that's a week, work week with overtime that you would have spent? That's just one hour a week. Come on. We've got an hour. The Lord made me catch up last night. I didn't sleep one minute. I went to bed. Because <laughs> I knew I had to get up so early and I had so many things to do today. And I went to bed and I set the alarm and with all due diligence, I got everything done. I was really happy. And then I could not go to sleep. So I prayed. And then I prayed. And then I rolled over and then I prayed. Prayed and prayed. Oh, and Lonnie had told me the good news not too long before I went to bed about Kate, uh, Kat and Ray. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that. It was just I don't know what it was. I sang every song. I went over the word. I went over everything in my mind. I talked to him for hours and hours and hours. Then I got mad. Then I got off that and went back at it. You know, when you just, like, well, talk to me. If there's something I'm supposed to be doing, I want to be doing it. Just quiet. I caught up on some time that I hadn't been spending with them. That's what he told me. He says, I was just hanging out with you. I'm catching up on some time you haven't been spending with me lately, Kathy. And wow. It happens to all of us. I'm not pointing the finger just like you. If we take some time we got to take out this time, and we got to run and ask him where that is, and you'll learn how. But you have to be still. You can't do that and listen to music, you know, in your earphone. If, if you want to have someone in the background, but I found it distracting for myself. Maybe it works for you, but I got too much caught up in the sound and the lyrics. I wanted it to be still. Because the scripture and the word says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Listening to Jesus' music isn't the same as going to the secret place. It's not. I just want to save you some time. Because it's important right now that we not waste time. And we take that time and we put it to good use. I want to finish reading the rest of uh, Psalm 91 again to you. The full thing, and I'm going to close. You guys got this, right? The enemy may come to you and say, oh, you're not going to hear God's voice. I want to tell you, he's a liar, because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Jesus said, my sheep, my, my kids, my flock hears my voice. 
And if you have given your heart to Jesus, I guarantee you're going to hear him. And I wish Carrie was here this morning. This past year, Carrie came to me and he told me that he'd heard me minister on what it's like when you hear God call your name, when he says your name, and you hear it. Jesus said to those that have ears, and I prayed for you last week that you'd have ears, and I'm praying for you again this week, and I've prayed for you all week that you will have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying so you will not only hear it, but you will do it because Jesus said if you will hear these words of mine then and you do them and you act on them, you will be building your house on a solid rock and when the storm comes, you will not be taken down. Come on. I want that kind of insurance, not the stuff that's costing me a lot of money. And all it takes is to hear his word and act on it. And we just read what he wants us to do today. We've got ten days. Ten days between trumpets and atonement. And that doesn't mean we're limited to that. You know, God tells you whatever you need to do. But I'm saying let's take advantage of this together. If one will put a thousand of the enemy to flight, two will put what? Ten thousand. Well, three... What if we all do this and we do it together? Come on. Imagine what's going to happen. I'm praying for you. I'm one for you. I'm excited for you. And I'm excited for this feast. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say, that means you, you can say this, I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, and you are my God in whom I will trust. Amen. So I've prayed for you. I want Ray to come up here and share the good news. Because this is something... They have been fasting and praying for I know some of you have been fasting and praying for them. This is awesome news. Hello? Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, Yeah, just to hold that. Um, Well, my wife, if you guys have seen her before, she was pregnant, and uh, we had the baby last Friday. Um, Ruth. I I don't have cigars to hand out, but if you go to the store, uh, get Babe Ruth candy. Yeah. (laughs) So um, she she had her uh, we had her this uh, Friday morning at 7:45. I, I went to bed about three o'clock in the morning, couldn't sleep. Got woken about 4:30 uh, because of her contractions, and we thought it was going to be like the same old thing with the first two kids, you know, delayed and so on. The process of all that labor and stuff. Three hours that baby came. The funny thing is, our midwife was on her route. She got lost. GPS took her somewhere else. So what had happened? Uh, my mother-in-law and I delivered my daughter. So, yeah, so she came. Yeah, she's healthy. Mom's good. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's a, an amazing experience, especially. I know that it ministered a lot to my mother-in-law. So uh, it's a, a, an amazing miracle. Of course, she she caught. I basically kept kind of. I hate to use this analogy, but I kind of held the cannon and shot 
<laughs> but she, she came out fast. I mean, they say that, you know, when you have your third kid, it's like three hours. I mean, she, she thought we were going to be in for like, you know, eight, 12 hours or so or something like that. But man, she came out and she was healthy and strong. Ruth uh, Devine, she loves her last name. Uh, little Peanut, she's about 20 inches long and 8.4 pounds. So, yeah. Um, uh, lengthwise or 20, 20 inches long and uh, 8. eight plus four ounces. In, in fact, McKenna was there. McKenna was able to uh, take part of her day to come and help out with the midwife, uh, and she did an amazing job helping our midwife at, uh, at the end and stuff. But it's, it was really funny because I called 911, so I had my wife's legs and I had this in my ear and, and getting instructions from the operator on how to deliver a baby. Uh, as soon as the baby came out, the, uh, it was pretty cool. The three wise men showed up. We had the fire chief, chief of police, and the head of the uh, EMS and, uh, uh, show up and his assistant. So it was pretty neat. So we had all these big wig guys. It was really funny. The, the chief of the fire department was just getting off shift. And he said, i got to go to that call. So he came over, and all of them were veterans. So we are like, we're sitting there talking. And stuff. It was a pretty funny story, but uh, yeah, she's home. Uh, Mama's recovering, and, and so on. So that uh, for all of you guys that shared in prayer and fasting, she came out exactly the way my wife was hoping. My wife has always dreamt of having a home birth. Both of our our older children, Rachel and Rebecca, were at the hospital, um, and uh, you know, Rachel was a, a, a cesarean, and. God gave back that miracle to my wife by be back with Rebecca and then again now with Ruth. So miracles continue to happen. Uh, I know that this world right now is in a really crazy position, but I want to tell you that there is still a lot of awesome miracles happening. Yeah. It's, it's unforeseen for some, but it's still there. Yeah. And uh, I, I, while you were talking, I hope you don't mind if I share this. This is really interesting. Um, excuse me a second. I'm going techno here. Um, this word came to me while Pastor Kathy was talking, and I don't know why, but it, the word revision, revision, um, I was looking it up, and it means emendation, correction, alteration, adapt, uh, adaptation, editing, rewriting, redrafting, um, another version, a new edition or rewriting. And I was wondering, what, what, Lord? What's, what's revision? Well, the, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that my people perish for lack of what? Vision. vision. And I was thinking, man, you know, I was looking up that word vision too, and some, some definitions give it as dreams, hopes, future plans, things like that. And I was thinking, what's revision? Revision. Well, maybe sometimes we have to go back to the drawing table with God in our secret place. Yeah. And maybe we have to get rid of some of these old plans that we had we thought that were going to work they've been taking too long or they've been dragging? Well, it's because it hasn't had that special anointing, you know, that, that special drafting from God's hand. And, and so, you know, like architects, designers, builders, they go through several plans before they hit the right one. And sometimes we might have to spiritually revise, re- revision our faith, our walk. We have to go into our secret place. And I like what Pastor Kathy said. It made me, remind me of something my wife said. She said, be still. Did you know there's a difference between being still and not doing nothing? There's a difference. 
being still is being in the presence of God, wholly listening and hearing the voice of God and receiving those revisions, those replans for whatever it is that he had put in your heart initially that you may have lost or the, the struggles of life have kind of distracted you or choked up the, those, those ideas. We get distracted. Understand, i got three girls. They distract me every day, you know, and my wife and the dog. So um, there's constantly distractions around the world and, you know, with technology, with everything. But sometimes we may have to go back into our, our secret place in our closet, in our little sanctuary with God where only him, him and I can connect, where I can like, okay, God, I need, I need to let go of this baggage and stuff I've been holding on. And so I need to revise the plan. Lord, fill me. Show me what it is. And, and so with that word revision, I didn't mean to change the topic. I know we're talking about my little baby girl, but that was exciting. But for that, what you were talking, that came to my mind. And, and I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe for me, I may have to revise a new way of, you level of walking in the power and the spirit of God. And uh, I've done that throughout the years where God, you know, takes you from glory to glory and faith to faith. You don't stay in one place. If you're staying in one place, you're stagnant. And eventually you will die off. You need to be moving, stepping forward, going ahead always because God is not a God that just sits there and goes, oh, let's just wait and hang out here. He's always constantly moving. He goes through and throughout the world, goes there looking, seeking for someone who can receive his, him in their body, the temple, and get these ideas, these plans. You may have hopes and dreams of a business. You may have plans for your family, your, a new home. Maybe you're building something. Whatever it is, you know, go back. Revise the plan with God. And maybe you'll see something that was missing that will get the ball going again and build that momentum to where you can arrive at your destination where God wants you to be. So he never, and the thing about God is he never holds things back from us. That's one thing amazing about God. I, I just, he, he wants to bless you. The problem is we're sitting here with our hands in our pocket going, we know if I can just do it this way or this way, or maybe if I, and we never take the time to go, you know what, God, how do you want me to do this? You know, and so I, I've, I've, I've learned to do that. Uh, got humbled by my girls. God, really ministers to my little girls and showed me a, a gentleness that I didn't have, showed me a way to do things. I think, you know, God is still continuing to heal me with anger and all that and, and shown me new vision of what a father can be. So I just, you know, I want to share that good news with you that miracles are still happening. Amen. They're constantly happening. You may not see them, but they're there. And you know what? God wants to have a miracle in your life too. Just waiting for us to go back, start over again, to sit down and go, Father, what do you want? What do you want me to do? What do you need me to do? What steps should I take? What direction should I go? What prayer should I ask for? Sometimes I do that. I don't know what to pray for. And so I ask the Holy Spirit, teach me. What should I say? Because words have what? Power. Once you set it off, man, and especially if it's according to God's word, it sets everything in motion. You may not see it, but it may go one way. It will not void, but complete in what it's supposed to be sent to do. So just want to share that with you and hope you guys have a wonderful day. And Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. On the Caitlin note, I know that we want to bring some meals and help you guys out.
I know what it takes to have another third person. So can we do that? We'll talk to after service, and if anybody yeah, will help coordinate that. Yeah. I'll help you guys out. Okay, good. Amen. I like that. Revision isn't contrary to taking responsibility. Stop thinking about what has not been working. Take responsibility to realize that it's not working. You need to have a new vision that needs to be revised. Maybe your plan is your plan, and that's not his plan. So take that time in the secret place and say, all right, Lord, whose plan am I going by? I need to have a revision. You need to write upon my heart as the architect. Because you'll heal and power what is his. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This is awesome. Yes. Sure. January, but really God's calendar starts this month, compass tonight. Um, so making new resolutions, revisions. Um, I went and got a new calendar for the next month, um, and it says, "Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans." Proverbs sixteen three. So, as going on with last week, you know, laying down my plans, picking up His. Um, He's still blessing me. So. so, there's a lot of people here that have lists. They have child care, which is actually training up, bringing those into the presence of the Lord during this time of tabernacle. So it's not just child care. So Don has her list. If there's anybody else who else has lists that are here that need to be filled in, anybody else? Everybody else is filled in? Okay. But you can still add to them because we can always use help cleaning, setting up for meals, all of those things are taking place. So, and this evening we're going to have communion. We're going to meet from 5 to 6. Amen. And it's just a time. And, I'm, and I was trying to express it to Ben. I'm just going to make this really simple. Feast of Pentecost, if you will. Those disciples in the upper room were still living out the Old Testament. They were waiting for something that never happened before still under the old covenant. They waited through obedience because Jesus said, Terry, just wait 10 days. Sound familiar? Wait 10 days. So in turn, they waited. In a disposition of time, the old covenant was released and the new covenant was established. They began to walk out the new covenant. Feast of Trumpets, 2,000 years later, as it was on Pentecost, we're waiting out of obedience under the new covenant, we don't know what is about to come, but the word tells us what is. We don't see it, but we know that it's written. So on the day of trumpets, as it was on Pentecost, there'll be a people gathered. And in the appointed day, the feast of trumpets, the time that it's appointed by God, we will then pass through the New Testament and we'll begin to see the kingdom established. The Old Testament still had its activity in the New Testament. They kind of paralleled each other, if you will. The New Testament will do the same thing in the kingdom. Just to give you kind of why we come together and we just wait, just like it was in the upper room. They knew that Jesus said wait. They didn't know what they were waiting for, but they had an idea because they trusted Jesus. That's what we're going to be doing on trumpets. It's all by faith. We're trusting the word of God because no one has experienced the fullness of tabernacles. 
We as Christians have fulfilled, we've experienced that, which is Passover. We've experienced Pentecost. But man has not experienced the fullness of tabernacles. Going into the Holy of Holies. That's what's waiting for us. A people. Amen.